Hello, and welcome to Porch Wine and Gravy. I'm Jolie Mo. And I'm Lucius Fontna. And this is our first radio show. Yes, it is. Ever. Ever. <laughs> uh, it's my first time on the radio ever. Yeah? Not not you so much. I've been on a few times, but I, I wouldn't say I was awesome at it. <laughs> well, I'm sure the people that didn't sleep through it really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> we are here to... Oh, we're here to get to know Acadiana and Louisiana on the South. On the food. And the food and the culture and the drinks and the, all the stuff that we love so much. Yeah. And that the point of porch wine and gravy was to get to know all of it. Not just Cajun, all of it. Sharing recipes, getting to know the people that are around us, the people that make our culture what it is, and cooking. So that's all we're going to do. We're going to visit. We're going to sit on a porch, drink a glass of wine, and talk about the next rice and gravy. So this episode, we're talking to Simon Tebow. He's Acadian, journalist, and a cookbook author. Today, we discuss lobster rolls, and I'll share my recipe for shrimp rolls. It's my Cajun version of our cousin's lobster rolls. Also, I sit down with one of my favorite people, Claire Burton, sous chef at Lafayette Social Southern Table and Bar. Claire dishes about her time in Athens, her job at Social, and the one dish that changed it all. Stay tuned. Simon Tebow is the author of the cookbook Pantry and Palette, Remembering and Rediscovering Acadian Food, a programmer for Devour, the Food Film Festival in Wolfville, Nova Scotia, a former judge for the James Beard Foundation Award, and has produced a radio documentary about the culinary reconnections between Acadian and Cajuns for the Southern Foodways Alliance. Welcome, Simon. Thanks for having me. And you're calling from um, Halifax, huh? I am indeed, yeah. I have the specific village I grew up in is called Church Point, just like in Louisiana, uh, although most people call it, we most of us call it Pointe de l'Église or La Pointe, the, the point, or um, some people even call it uh, Chicaben, like older people will call it Chicaben, which is a Mi'kmaq word for where the wild potatoes grow. Um, there's a wonderful poet from Church Point named Georgette LeBlanc who used to live in Louisiana, and she always calls it Chicaben. I would call it that. Yeah. I would just, for the whole fact that it's where the wild potatoes grow, I'd be like, I'm not calling you anything else now. So, yeah, well, Lucius had lobster rolls when he was visiting y'all. And so for his birthday, of course, he wanted lobster rolls. And I, I guess, long story short, I insisted I make them. Well, of course I'm getting into this, I don't realize. Where he ate lobster rolls, lobster was prevalent and probably very fair-priced. Yeah, Digby, Karakat. Yeah, And I don't cook for two people. I, you know, when I have a birthday, there's like 25 people, so I go shopping. And I get, I'm lady, I'm like, I'll have two lobsters. And she tells me the price, and I'm like, no. And I'm fine. <laughs> but no. It much, like, crawfish and shrimp I could get for that price? I could feed my neighborhood. So I'm like, why don't I just take their idea and make it Cajun? And that's, I mean, that's what we did. Took the shrimp, but I used the same base, and I just kind of did the same thing where I just changed this, made it spicier because we're ridiculous. And mint's amazing. And for the price of two sandwiches, I could make 40 sandwiches. Now, I have a very important question, though. Do you remember, for Lucius, you had this in Karakat, right? Yeah, I had it in Digby and Karakat and some roadside place in uh, somewhere on the Acadian coast, you know, northern New Brunswick. So was it a mayonnaise lobster salad or was it a lobster sauteed in butter and cream kind of thing uh it was always mayo see i grew up where in my own household 
It's always served in a white hot dog bun, which has been toasted with, toasted with butter on the outside, almost like a grilled cheese. So you get a crackly outside, a soft interior, and um, you would add a teeny bit of Old Bay to the butter as it's being cooked. Um, but you would saute that in butter with the lobster and then you would add half and half to it, to the cream, just enough to get it to stick together. And that's what you would put in with a little bit of like iceberg lettuce. And that would be oh, a that lobster sounds delicious. Roll. I was about to say, we're, we're going to go ahead and do that with shrimp. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> like when you, when you said uh, half and half, Shirley's eyes lit up. <laughs> I love anything. <laughs> I was like, you take the mayonnaise out and put cream in, sold. <laughs> And butter? Oh, butter, cream, bacon. That's all. That's all my bag right there. And gravy. I mean, nothing against mayonnaise. It has a purpose, but well, I think I'm sorry. Butter and cream and just all that good, yummy dairy stuff is my favorite. I. It's probably my favorite way actually to eat lobster. And uh, often when I go home over the summer or whenever, I actually have a cousin who sells lobster, so it's I can get lobster pretty easily. And as much fun as it is to crack open one of those bad boys and just kind of take it apart. And to me, a lobster roll should be simple and unadorned. And I'm sorry, but I don't want spice in my lobster. Uh, I was telling Shirley yesterday, like having a lobster from over there, like fresh out the water, it has, it's so flavorful. Like it really is. It's got its own. I think that's the difference. Crawfish and shrimp kind of need a little, hey buddy. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, Get a little something in there. Maybe so. What would you say is your favorite uh, lobster roll? Is it from home, or is there some place you uh, really dig that serves it? A little uh, fancy restaurant or roadside place? Um, I will say that I'm a fan of my own, like my mom's lobster roll, which is the one that I described. Good answer. <laughs> Good answer. And I mean, like both wonderful answer. <laughs> no, I mean it's true. But um, beyond that, it's also why I love my mom's apple pie more than other pies. But that's a whole other episode. Right. Um, but the thing with lobster rolls is, if I'm going to order one. Um, I want it in a roadside little joint, and it's not a question of it being cute or quaint. It's just most of the time, those are the places that make it consistently. And someone's making it because that's their livelihood, but also because they know how to get certain things. And it's just, even to the point of like, if it's cooked in a flat chop griddle kind of thing, like, you know that thing's well seasoned, like almost like a cast iron skillet or like a black pot. Like, it's someone that takes care of what they're doing, and it's not in the most highfalutin place. Like, you can go to restaurants throughout Atlantic Canada, and even like if you were to go to Boston or something and get some lovely highfalutin bourgeois version of, uh, of a lobster roll, but I'm like, no, it's food that is eaten by people who fish it, generally speaking. And so the question of adornments and uh, whatnot are kind of superfluous. It's not the point. The point is to eat something simple with less than five ingredients and scarf it down and then go for another one. And that's what I want. If you'd like to know more about Simon Tebow and his wonderful cookbook, Pantry and Palette, you can look it up at simontebow.com, S-I-M-O-N-T-H-I-B-A-U-L-T.com. Of course, you could also just Google Pantry and Palette. Today we're going to talk about shrimp rolls. 
because you requested lobster rolls for your birthday. I did. And we tried to make lobster rolls. And you then did. we found out lobster is A, expensive. Yes. B, not that high quality here. No. So we ended up working very hard to make two shrimp rolls, and we had 20 people over. World's most expensive sandwich. And you were the only one who got any. I know, and I felt almost terrible. No, you didn't. No, I didn't. No. But it sucked, and it was like, but I looked at the size of the lobster and thought, I mean, that's got to feed like 15 people. It's huge, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I was, I was wrong. Yeah. It was very wrong. And and we found out it's a labor of love because we can, we can peel shrimp. We are not necessarily the professional lobster peelers. So after we thought about it, and I wanted to make it again, but I didn't want to make it with lobster. I looked at our local ingredients, which I do with most of my recipes. I try to find stuff that we can just get here that we don't have to drive or order and, and all those things. And sometimes it works out, and this time it did. We decided on shrimp. Yeah. Because shrimp is usually pretty cheap, easy to get, and we can get it fresh, and I'm a big believer in fresh food. So along with the shrimp, it's- I make... The mayonnaise kind of mix. And it sounds a little weird, but it's really good, and it's what they do there, or one version they do there. The more popular, I guess, sold version is is this mayonnaise-based mix. And I just looked at it and thought, well, it looks a lot like crawfish chips, so why don't I add a lot of the things that we add in crawfish chip? Just adjust it because you know, it's a lobster roll or a shrimp roll, yeah. and it's not crawfish. Ooh, I bet you can make this with crawfish. All right, diverted. Sorry. Went somewhere else, but this lot of crawfish roll would be awesome. Mainly what I do is I take about one and a half to two pounds of shrimp, fresh, and I boil them in crab oil until, well, they're done. You know, it only takes a few minutes. Take them out, let them cool, peel them, set them to the side. That's it. If you need to replace with frozen shrimp or already cooked shrimp that you've left over, feel free. I like the flavor that crab oil gives them just because I'm used to it and it's good. So, and head-on shrimp if you can get it. And head-on shrimp. Well, anything that you can get that can add flavor is good. I mean, it, it, it doesn't hurt. And it's such a quick recipe. You have time to peel shrimp. Or, I don't know, if you have a kid, make them do it. That's what I do. And then once the shrimp is done, we leave it to the side to cool. Then I go get another bowl, small to medium size, and I make the mix for the shrimp. And that is pretty, pretty easy. Sounds like a bunch of ingredients, but it comes together really fast. So I do half a cup of mayonnaise, a tablespoon of ketchup, a tablespoon of Creole mustard, three tablespoons of lemon juice, one teaspoon of Worcestershire sauce, a fourth a teaspoon of horseradish, a teaspoon of Cajun seasoning, a couple dashes of hot sauce, and I do a fourth a cup of really finely chopped celery. Take all that, I mix it all together. And then I take it and I put it in the fridge and I let it sit for about an hour. And the reason I do that is that really... lets all those flavors kind of join together. And at this point, you put your shrimp in the fridge, too, and then your shrimp is nice and cold because it's supposed to be a cold sandwich. You don't really want it to be lukewarm. I mean, it still tastes good, no matter what. But it's supposed to be a cold sandwich, so just put it both in the fridge for an hour. Go, I don't know, mow the lawn, do something. You come back an hour later, you toss that shrimp in that mix, and then you do the the other important part, which is the rolls, the bread. I think, and, and Lucius, I think, agrees with me, it needs to be a very soft roll, about medium-sized. I use this really soft French bread that you can get at a, many of the stores here. It comes in the bakery section in that bag. Just try to avoid those hard rolls. It just 
Yeah, it's it's just too much texture there, too thick. And what I hate to say is when you use hard bread, there's also – everybody knows what I'm talking about. Like when you bite into your sandwich and things come shooting out the other sides. Right. I hate that. I hate that especially if you just have hands and like now you're walking around with like – these goopy hands, and you don't stop eating <laughs> because you're hungry. So now you just look like a barbarian. Like ah, it's best to use the soft rolls. Believe me. Right, you want to be able to, to to cut through the bread and the shrimp all in the same bite and rip it away and, and not embarrass yourself. Oh, so they got you know you have you have your roll. Make sure you have a good quality, nice soft roll. And I also really important, and I've learned from talking to Simon that they do butter and toast their rolls. Absolutely, and it makes a difference. And that is super simple. I just I cut the roll in half. I lightly butter it, and I put it in my cast iron and just toast it up. It only takes a couple, maybe a couple minutes. Yeah, makes all the difference in the world, though. It really does. It does, and I don't know why. I guess it's butter. I mean, butter always makes a difference, yeah. right? I well, mean, I mean, look, over there, lobster rolls are served on hot dog buns. The, you know, the... There you go. <laughs> the See? lowly hot dog bun. <clears throat> but they guess. butter it and, and and toast it, and it becomes this wonderful thing. Well, now we just found a solution if you can't find the fancy rolls. The next big step is you take your shrimp mixture, put it in your bun, sprinkle it with green onions, because you should put green onions on everything, in my opinion, and serve. Put lettuce on there if you feel like you need a vegetable. <laughs> you know, that. There's vegetables in there. There's some celery. There's some celery. <laughs> There's some celery. And, and, I think, and I do think it's a great option for parties if you want to do something different and really impress any, everybody and you don't want to do all the work. Yeah. Or it's a, it's a great next day after a shrimp boil kind of. Uh, it is. Revamp. It is. I mean, it, it. and it's just, I mean, it's so easy to get shrimp. And that's pretty much the hardest part, I think, of this recipe is boiling the shrimp. That's. Yeah. You think that's the hard part, you know how easy it is. Now, of course, if you want to look this up later, the recipe is on porchwineandgravy.com. And you just do porch wine and gravy, shrimp rolls, and it should pop right up in your little Google searching. All right. That's it, huh? Yeah. Go Take eat a shrimp roll. Go eat a shrimp roll. Take your sip of wine. It's just a tiny little nip. It's just a nip. I won't nip that little nip. No, wine's good. Wine is good. <laughs> to a limit, but it's... Well, of course. Everything to a limit. So, speaking of wine... Yeah? Jobs. I've had lots of jobs in my life. Most of them service industry. Most of it bartending. Which is a great job, by the way, if you want to travel in your youth and be able to hop around. Yeah. So during one of my hops, I ended up in Santa Cruz, California, and I ended up getting this job at a very fancy restaurant. How oh, fancy? I, I don't, they made you wear white shirts, man. <laughs> Is that your Mind mark? Mind you, I just moved from Louisiana. I was like, ooh, it's fancy. Well, that's your marker of fancy. <laughs> well, yeah, and then I think we had to wear bow ties or something. Uh, it was an actual outfit. That's like petroleum club fancy. Ooh, and they had black aprons, and that was before, like, I was young, mind you. We didn't have all that. That was like me going to, like, Cafe Vermilionville, you know what I mean? Yeah. Which I went once and spilled a Coke on myself and cried because I was so upset that I made a jerk of myself (laughs) in this fancy restaurant. Uh, And so I'm in Santa Cruz, and I get this job at this great, nice restaurant, which is part of my introduction, actually, to the culinary world in that way into the restaurant world I never really had worked at a fancy restaurant before so you know everybody's dressed up and looks very fancy and then you get them back in the kitchen and they're not they're not so fancy they're just 
like the rest of us, you know, because we're working job jobs. Anyway, and so this great restaurant was down this giant hill and it had this big people mover. I mean, that's how fancy it was. It had a whole mechanism to move people down the hill so they didn't have to go down the steps. That's something that would never happen in Louisiana. We'd have to find a hill. <laughs> or it'd be like the shortest ride ever. The shortest ride. Go down the hill. Boop, oh, yeah, it's one minute. <laughs> this is a very large hill. It had like, I think it was, it's like 300 something steps to get to the restaurant. So imagine like a telephone, old telephone box like Superman used that like, it comes down these rails and drops you off right at the front door. It's fancy. Fancy. Anyway, most of the time I was the bartender. I sometimes, you know, waited tables back and forth. But when I waited tables, a lot of times I got given the private parties, which were these rooms. And one of the biggest nights they have there is, is a wine dinner, and it's for all the wine growers in Northern California. And so I get assigned, and I don't know who picked me for this, but it's insane, for probably two of the most successful and revered wineries. And so I'm, I mean, I see the names, and I'm like, Psh. I can't afford to drink this wine. Right. I still can't afford to drink this <laughs> wine. Like, this is the kind of wine where I'm like, that's so, that's so pretty. And where's the yellow tail? Uh-huh. So I go in and I'm all like, I'm going to be great. I'm going to, I'm going to talk eloquently. I'm going to make sure I don't sound, you know, like I'm from Louisiana anymore. I'm not going to cuss. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to read these specials like specials have never been read. You know, I'm, I'm all ready to go. Yeah, A-game. Right, these are like people, these are really wealthy people, giant wineries, or at least I assume they were. And uh, I walk in, and I'm trying to tell these people what's going on, and I'm trying to do it in the nice, you know, hello. Our special today is pan fried flounder with a demi glace. You know, I'm doing the. And no one is listening to me. No one. And I'm trying so hard. I'm like standing at all different corners of this room. And it was like I didn't even exist. So then I got angry. And no. then all the Cajun came out. <laughs> and I just started yelling. Because yeah. I was like, you know what? You're all getting spaghetti. Fine. You don't want to listen to me? Screw you all. <laughs> Screw everyone in. I don't even care what you eat anymore. And they kind of like, you could tell this guy's like, why is the waitress yelling at us? And I was like, well, you know what? I've been standing here for 10 minutes. And I can't. And I'm trying to do my job. And if you want to be rude, you just be rude. And I mean, and I was like, oh, Jolie, now you're going to get fired. But I didn't get he laughed really hard and was like, you know, told everybody to be quiet. And and I think he was greatly amused by, I don't know. The angry little Cajun girl? The angry little Cajun girl who, who just, yeah, it had enough should spot. I don't even know the word. Gumption. Gumption in her to just start yelling at the rich people. <laughs> because he was like, yeah, how I grew up just came out. So anyway, they get their specials. They're fine. He leans over to me and says, hey, you see all these kids running around? And the kids are like, just, because they trap these kids in a room at night. I mean, it's it's cruel and unusual punishment. With a bunch of boring grown-ups drinking wine. Yeah. So these kids are just running around. The parents can't have conversations. He's like, you figure out how to keep them entertained, and I'm going to tip you huge. So I was like, nice. Uh, a bunch of kids, unruly, I got this. And I look at these plates of spaghetti noodles. No spaghetti sauce, just the noodles, because, you know, kids are jerks and won't eat real food. Right. And I'm like... Hey, you know what? And they're like, what? And they kind of look at me. I'm like, I think you should take this. And hey, we should do this. And I grab the plated noodles and I throw them at the wall. Every kid in that room went, what? What? You could tell they're like, 
grown up just eating noodles at the wall? And they could, they looked at me like, gonna, are we gonna, we're gonna, huh? Yeah, yeah. And I got that gleam in their eye, like, wait, 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 what's about to happen here? And you can tell they look back at their parents, like, did you see what she did? Are you, you're not yelling at her? And I was like, no, no, this is the game. We're gonna throw noodles at the wall, and whoever gets the most to stick wins. First of all, you can't keep track of that. Second of all, they didn't care. No, they were throwing noodles at them. They were like, I get in a fancy restaurant. And I'm like, and you can keep doing it because you can scoop up the noodles. And these noodles had butter on them, so like most of them (laughs) sliding (laughs) off. I kept those kids entertained for a solid hour. Yeah. And those parents had best time and had enough wine to leave me a giant dip, a note, a note to my manager how awesome I was, and then also the owner of the winery sent me a bottle of wine every year for years nice with the same like thank you like that and they requested me when they came back very nice always and it's funny because truly when the manager walked in and there's spaghetti all over the floor and walls (laughs) he wanted to read me a new one yeah but it's kind of hard when rich man is like she's the absolute best we love her we'll always and i was like spaghetti Happy rich people. There you go. I gotta say, he did say, I hope you hope, you know, you're staying late to clean this up. Right. Because, and he's right, he's like, because the janitors didn't get the huge tip. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> yeah. but let me tell you, I don't know. I guarantee you to this day, those kids and those grown ups are like, one time here in this restaurant, and the waitress just started throwing spaghetti. <laughs> I gave him a story and a good night. Yeah, that's worth a tip. It is worth it. It was a good tip. Claire Burton is the sous chef at Social Southern Table and Bar. Thank you for sitting down with us, Claire. Hey, you're welcome. All right, how'd you get into the uh, the restaurant business? So back in 99, I had moved to Athens, Georgia, you know, looking for ways to fund my not very expensive lifestyle of hanging out and going to shows. Um, got a job at a 24-hour grill called The Grill uh, in downtown Athens, Georgia. I uh, started off as a hostess on the third shift, and you can imagine... Um, in an SEC college town, what the third shift was like. Just, you know, all the very intoxicated college students coming in. So very soon, I decided I needed a change and asked if I could get transferred to the kitchen, where they, A, looked like they were having a much better time than anyone in the front of the house. The management allowed me to transfer to the kitchen. I think their thought process was um, that I wouldn't last back there. I did on third shift, um, well enough to get promoted to the lunch dinner shift and then again to the breakfast shift. And shortly after that, I moved to the first, uh, what I consider first real restaurant that I worked at, and that was the Five Star Day Cafe, also in downtown Athens, Georgia. You went from a grill to like a fine dining almost? No, it was, it was super, super casual. Gourmet soul food was really, um, that little tagline was just to indicate that it was soul food, um, and the gourmet part was that nothing was coming out of a can. So every morning we'd receive several hundred pounds of produce, upstairs to the prep kitchen, process, clean, cut, bring it back downstairs, cook it. 
um, and then serve it to the same UGA students who weren't that drunk because it was just <laughs> lunchtime. <laughs> I think feeding people, even with home chefs and professional, all of us who cook for people, the end goal is we want to see some. We want to see someone enjoy our food at the end. Sure. Of the day. And I don't even know where that feeling comes from. I don't know why I have that feeling, but I know that like that. I'm, I want it, you know, like to the point where I can kind of look a little stalkery. Where I'm like, what are they doing? You know, or if someone doesn't give me a reaction, I feel sad and then want to know right. what happened and what did I do wrong. But it, it, I mean, that love and that need to send out the best thing you can. And it's like when that person eats it, it makes you feel like I did it. Yeah. I did look something what I did. today. You know, maybe. That reminds me, that reminds me of when I realized that cooking was going to be more of a lifestyle than just a job that I was going to have for a couple of years. Um, when I was at the Five Star in Athens, we had a fantastic baker there, uh, David Ferguson, and he was teaching me all his ways. He trained me on how to make a banana pudding um, from scratch, which I would call, that was probably like my first signature dish or whatever. It was the, definitely the one I would whip out to show people where I was coming from. And so I, it was the day I had made my very first banana pudding on my own. It and its beautiful meringue were in the dessert case and ready to be enjoyed. Um, and there was a foretop that we could see. And one of the people at the foretop was just obviously having a bad day. I mean, shoulders down, frowny face. She wasn't engaging with anybody at the table. She looked like a real drag, um, for, for lack of a better word. Uh, anyway, she got my banana pudding, my very first banana pudding. And uh, even though in my in my rational mind, I know it was the sugar content of the banana pudding, uh, just seeing her energy change that much that quickly, I was like, I didn't even have to talk to her. Now she's having a good day. Imagine, Imagine that changing people's lives back here. You said something the last time we talked about the difference between when men get hired to be a chef and they walk into that kitchen the first time and when women do it. It is stunning in its truth. A man chef can walk in, immediately afforded respect. A woman chef walks in, same title, same experience, and has a lot to prove. I mean, even if you come in with press and accolades, it, it's still, it's it might there. as well be your first job. It's crazy. But I guess it's, I mean, there's a lot of industries where it's like that. You know? Sure. And we'll probably continue making strides, hopefully, uh, continue making strides. Well, I think women who do go do it, who succeed, I mean, that's, that's a tough fight. And you got to, you got to be, you got to be built at some strong stuff, especially in a male oriented industry where it's like. I was, I was like, at the end, I mean, you got to give that woman some respect to think about the fact that she walked into something knowing she's going to have to prove herself every single point along the way. Yeah. Because you cook every day, all day. Well, not every, most days. And you're constantly thinking of new dishes and things to do to go with the restaurant and seasonal foods. So... What I want to know is, what is the food for you that is that invokes the memories? It's the most heartwarming. It really just like that's your core meal that you need, especially like bad. I call it like bad day food. Like it's been a bad day, and it's the one thing that you know that you can 
go back to and 100% it is spaghetti with meat sauce. From somewhere and there's like a meatball with noodles that's available, I'll get it and just kind of smash the meatball up to make it into meat to sauce. To make it a meat sauce so I can that's eat up. the thing that I want to eat. It was my favorite meal as a kid. My mom kind of had a rather abbreviated cycle of meals that she would pr- prepare for us. But, you know, it, it was at least a weekly type menu. Um, and we definitely had spaghetti with meat sauce probably once a week. Uh, it was a crowd pleaser. I grew up one of six, so... Um, you need a, those crowd pleasers. <laughs> you need the crowd pleasers. What's your favorite thing do you think on the social menu? Do you have, you can't pick a favorite, like picking a favorite kid? That would be like picking a favorite kid. What if oh, somebody's man. not that adventurous? Where would you go with it? Like your first time to social. First time not, to social. You're not used to really kind of going out of the realm. You've been, you know, eating it more. I think for a first timer where, where I could kind of gently show them the way, I would probably start them with like our brick oven chicken. And like our fried chicken, you get a half a bird. We brine our chickens for 24 hours. Uh, and then the chickens diverge from each other. <laughs> you go to, it's like the chickens actually turn into my children because <laughs> one of my kids is fried and one of my kids is anti-fried. So oh, this is great. This, this is great. This would, uh, and one of the most popular two top um, entree orders will be the brick oven chicken and the smoke fried chicken. That's funny. And I like to imagine that the two tops are like sharing, you know, like. That's I'll give you my thigh order. if you give me your thigh. I want to find out what the I baked hate, chicken is I like. Hate when you go out to eat and like three people order the same thing, it <sighs> drives me insane. And I know. I mean, I get it really... when it's a smoke fried chicken. We had a five top come in not too too long ago, and all five of them got fried chicken. I know. <laughs> There's so, so much fried chicken at that table. And I'm so mean, and f- I like. I'm also like. It's also like I'm forcing it on my friends. Like, no, we all need to taste different things. So you're gonna eat what I want you to eat. Oh, and then there are people who th- expect that their entree is their own entree. That's crazy. I, I when my best eating friend. out, eating out, I don't understand that. I will because I want a bite of yours. Right, and I'm happy to, to give you a bite of mine. We have a friend, Jamie. We call her. We call her. She's like our soulmate eating buddy. Because my best friend Robin, I love her, but she's literally slapped people in restaurants. She stabbed someone with a fork. Oh, trying to take her food. She related that story the yeah. day that that I, day on the porch. You don't don't mess. I don't. <laughs> I, when I go out to eat with her, I'm like, it's no fun, but I'm fine. And we'll sit. I'm like, <laughs> but she she'll give you the the entrails. Sure. Which she has not, which is like some sort of beet shriveled up on the side that may have touched the gravy an hour ago, you know. Right, and now it's like totally cold. But Jay Ruth does the thing where she sits down and we make like a plan, and I love it. Like, she's like, it's strategic. She's like, all right, what are you going to get? You're going to get the gnocchi? Fine, that's got a cream sauce. That means we have to get this. And then you get this. And I'm going to get the nuts and berry thing over here. And then, like, you get chicken. But if you get chicken, i got to get fish. And he's got to get beef. And I'm like most beautiful thing ever in the world like we eat out. it's like it's like an entree sampler i know and we're like this weird uh tri couple but only in restaurants like that's my only polyamorous situation is me jackie and lucia's going out to eat and then we're all that's it we're all equals you know he can eat her plate you know my plate i you know his plate it is it's polyamorous dining i love it thank you claire for coming to talk to us today thanks for thanks for having me Uh, all right episode one down we made it out alive we did it was much much thanks to claire burton and simon tivo for making it a relatively painless process yes y'all were amazing guests 
If you would like to know more about porch wine and gravy or look up the recipes from today's show, you can go to porchwineandgravy.com. Well, that's it for us until next time. Hope you have some time on a porch, a little bit of wine, and lots of gravy.